welcome to the Seeking Veganism podcast. My name is Jess and I hope that you're doing absolutely amazing. Guys, I think this has been one of my absolute favorite episodes that I've done on my podcast so far. I got to interview one of my friends. Her name is Jenna and we just recently met through a business coaching program. We connected instantly as she's also vegan, but there is so much more to that, honestly. Jenna is a subconscious specialist and healer and is helping people to clear their subconscious and energetic blocks to transcend their mental, emotional, and physical limits. I know the first time I read that, I was like, also, oh, okay, this sounds like a lot. And it's a little bit complicated, especially if you're not familiar in the space. But hey, honestly, this woman is absolutely amazing. Um, I've learned so much from her only from this podcast episode, um, and I can't wait to finally meet her in real life, hopefully very soon. In this episode, we talked about so much, from how she transitions to veganism on a level that I don't think many of us have experienced, and even though she really enjoyed eating a cooking meat before. We also talked about how she has healed herself from PCOS and endometriosis, and how she became a Reiki expert, and also why, of course and how to live and be compassionate towards others, not only animals, but also humans. I could have talked with Jenna forever, uh, but I'm so grateful that we had this hour to really just dive deep onto all of these topics. I'm sure you listening won't be disappointed. So wherever you're currently at and listening to this episode, lean back and enjoy. Let's just start, Jenna, and I'd love, love for you to just tell us, you know, who you are, what you do, where you're from. Just tell us everything, please. <laughs> hey, guys. Thank you, Jess, for having me. I'm really excited to have a conversation with you. Um, so my name is Jenna Sophia, and I am a subconscious specialist and healer. I was born and raised in New York City, but now I currently live between LA, New York, and London. And I basically help people remove any physical, emotional, or mental blocks that they have using the subconscious mind and through different energy techniques. Um, So yeah, that's what I do. And how long have you been doing that already? So I have been running my business for a few years, but I've been in the spiritual and healing space since I was 11 years old. How did that happen at such a young age? Um, yeah, I know. So I used to struggle a lot with different um, physical and you know emotional mental issues. And my mom was very interested in holistic medicine and different energy techniques to kind of remove stress from the body and realign, you know, the body in a way that was non-invasive and could help me without any any real. Uh, you know, negative impact, so to speak. So mm-hmm. I first learned Reiki, which is energy healing. And that was when I was 11 years old, I got my first energy attunement, meaning that I was able to then start giving Reiki at 11 years old. So mm-hmm. that that's how that happened. Can you tell us more? Because a couple of my listeners probably don't know what exactly Reiki is. And also when yeah. I was new to it, I was like, trying to Google everything and just didn't really understand what it is. So can you tell yeah. us more about what it is and what you can do with that? Yeah, absolutely. So the core of understanding it in my in my understanding is that we are energy beings. So that means that we can transfer energy um, from higher sources of consciousness. So like the universe, um, you know, higher self, whatever you believe in. So the understanding is of Reiki is that when you open certain energy centers in the body, you can access those higher realms of higher energy that when transferred through um, either the hands or through thought or through you know looking at someone you can basically heal imbalances in their body or rather I don't like to say heal but more realign and allow more of a vibrational um, alignment in the body which then helps get rid of a lot of physical emotional mental and spiritual issues can you tell us an example yeah sure so for example let's say you have neck pain Okay, you can just gently place your hands, the Reiki, you know, if it's a master or just someone that practices Reiki, can just gently place their hands either on the body or just a little bit above and channel this energy. And it just comes through with intention. So you just have the intention to send the Reiki and then the person that is receiving it might experience heat or tingling or cooling sensations, but it's a very relaxing process. So it's like you're getting um, 
you know, kind of hit by this really lovely energy that can just calm you down and clear any blocks that you might be experiencing. And then, you know, the pain might go away or you might feel energetically lighter or emotionally more free and have a little bit more space in the body. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how it works. That's super interesting. So, I mean, you were 11 years old when you learned that. Did you have like an expert teaching you or did it just come with experience? How did that happen? Yeah, definitely. So when you want to learn Reiki, you have to basically, you know, go see a Reiki master. So my mom had a Reiki master come to the house and a Reiki master has the ability to open up these different energy centers in the body so that you can actually flow Reiki or life force energy through your hands. Um, and so a master came to the house and that's where I learned it. And then over the years, I did the second and third levels and then eventually the Reiki master training where I've, you know, now attuned a lot of um, people and just helping them unlock their own abilities. That's pretty, you know, crucial to my work is helping people unlock their own healing potential. Like I never say I'm a guru, I'm a guide, you know, that's, that's how I like to, to keep it. Everyone's neutral and equal to one another in the process. Do you feel like anyone could do that? Yeah, everyone has the ability. Everyone has the ability. It's just, see, our minds are so bound by a construct of what we can do, right? And because we have these limitations, we can't conceive that this is possible, especially if you are on a very limited scale of understanding your human potential, right? But people who are able to transcend those thoughts or those boxes can actually unlock so much more of their own abilities that they didn't even know, right? So that's why you see people who are gifted, right? It's not because they think they're better than anyone, they just think that they can, mm -hmm. right? So that I think is crucial. The mind has everything to do with how much we can and cannot do. So mm -hmm. to, to your question, I think anyone can do anything um, as long as they're open and willing to be able to explore that for themselves. I love that. I do want to ask a question that I didn't mention I was going to ask you. <laughs> But, um, you know, when people have like mental health issues, right? Or like depression or anxiety. Mm -hmm. The typical thing in our society is to look for like a psychologist, right? It's mm -hmm. Same thing like I've been going through something and I'm like, okay, should I be looking for a psychologist to help me with it? Because it's like coming up in my life, like something that happened in my past and it keeps coming up in my relationships and just in my everyday life right I see it in like now that I'm a business owner I see a lot of the things are like blocking me that happened in my past are blocking me in my present right and so I see all of that kind of stuff coming up and so the typical thing would be for you know the normal human being to look for a psychologist to help you with it but I've also heard a lot of like negative things about it because it's very hard to find the right person and usually they don't do that kind of healing that you do so what is your opinion on that yeah that's a really juicy question I'm gonna try to unpack it <laughs> as best as I can so I you know for someone that has struggled with her own mental health issues like I had anxiety since I was six years old up until my early 20s and depression from like 15 until my early 20s so I know what it's like to experience that and I'm while I was on this holistic journey, I did seek out, you know, um, professional help in the, in the sense of psychologists and psychiatrists. And now personally for me, that experience, right. I, I know it's so easy to like shame or be like, I'm on one side about this, but when we really look at it, right. That experience, that uncomfortable experience I went through actually gave me so much clarity on what worked for me. So I wouldn't be here where I am today had I not gone through that because that kind of lit a fire under my ass. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to find a new way. I'm going to figure out what to do um, on my own because I was tired of relying on other people. And I think that everyone is on their journey and I don't shame, you know, professional um, mental health. You know, I have some really good friends who are psychologists and psychiatrists and they are doing good things you know and especially if people are at a place where they need 
another level of support that maybe they're not ready for the type of work, let's say I do, because it is a process, right? My whole thing is that people find me when they tried everything. Mm -hmm. So they have to try all of that before they get to me. Because when we meet and if we work together, you're basically recognizing you're not a victim to anything. And that's a hard pill to swallow. And so sometimes we need the support to be held and to be nurtured before we can stand up on our own and say, I'm ready to take full ownership and responsibility. So it is a consciousness shift. And I think that it serves a purpose. Um, but it really is also a resonance. Like, what are you uh, energetic resonance to, right? Do you feel like you want to do this work? Or do you feel like you need to be held in that work? And I don't know, I think they offer different things. And it's really where you are and what you need in your, in your journey at that time. So it's very individual. So basically, it's yeah. not like a one size fits it all. So it really yeah, depends. because you know, if someone were to come to me and they had, let's say, schizophrenia, I'm not, mm -hmm. uh, I'm not trained to handle that. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to do. I, I don't know how to handle people like that. But thank God there are people that can, you know, operate and help people have a successful life. Um, doing what they do. Mm -hmm. I just think, you know, there needs to be more of a bridge between the holistic mental health and, you know, clinical mental health. That's what's missing. Yeah. There's not a balance, right? And once there becomes a balance, people can recognize, well, let's say going to someone like Jenna is not that weird anymore or is not that woo-woo or out there mm -hmm. because there are results, just like there are results in therapy. So which way do I want to go instead of like shaming one side or another just based on preconceived beliefs, um, and societal conditioning. I love that. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying. That's mm -hmm. super important, definitely, because of course, a lot of people are still very like hesitant to, of course, do online coaching and all of that stuff. I experienced that myself. But one thing that I also want to ask you that I didn't mention, because uh, it all comes up and I feel like, oh my God, I just want to ask you so much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> since I started working, um, you know, I know I heard that you don't like the word coach. I listened to some couple mm -hmm. of podcasts, so, so I know that you don't like that. Um, but let's say since I started helping people with the work that I do, I also started realizing that I'm not only, you know, helping them with nutrition and diet and all of that kind of stuff. A lot of times I'm also becoming like, you know, if they have a bad day, I kind of feel it, right? They leave it out on me and if they, they're sad or whatever it is, I feel it. And so a lot of times I struggle with, okay, how do I protect my energy from like not feeling drained? And I feel like what you do is even crazier because of course people completely mm -hmm. open, like they give you everything they give you mm -hmm. everything right the way they feel yeah. they're like i i really admire that so i just wonder how do you protect yourself from like not feeling drained and overwhelmed and like protecting your own energy how do you do that yeah i love that question i'm so excited to answer this <laughs> because i think this extends you know not only to just like coaches, but just people, anyone in general, right? Like whatever we're engaging in, how are we, you know, where are we leaking in our energy or where are we absorbing too much? So I think this is a beautiful question. So I first would like to say that it wasn't always like this. You know, a lot of my anxiety came from the fact that I was taking on too much, right? That's why I know I'm good at what I do now because I can take on too much. I've just figured out the balance of how to maintain it, the, the boundaries. So, you know, being an empath or taking on a lot of energy is not a bad thing. It just means that you are able to tap into the connectivity and the oneness of all, which is beautiful, right? It becomes a problem when we start to use, um, our empathy in a dysfunctional way. So it becomes dysfunctional empathy where it's like, oh, I'm, I can only be sensitive if I take on everything and be able to feel everything. That's how I'm going to prove to myself. That's the ego. It likes to like prove that it can do things, right? So instead of operating like that, it's really making sure that one, you have super clear boundaries. So because of the nature of my work, it's all online now, even before the pandemic, it was 95% online, but I had a few clients that I would fly around to. But essentially what 
what would happen is that if I did, let's say more than X amount of sessions a day, I would literally, I would feel dead because what happens is that I have to take on their whole energy. Like I become their energy. So it's beyond like, there's no lines. It's like, I'm just like a channel for it. And I can feel all these things and, um, I'll catch limiting beliefs or I'll, you know, do a a tune up, an energy tune up. And these things would take a toll on my body if I just did it all the time. So I had to learn that if I want to do this, I can only do this amount a day and this amount a week. And if that means that I have to raise my price so that I can keep hitting my, you know, my goals financially, then that's what it is. But you have to get super clear on what you need and making sure that, you know, cause in some of my programs, my clients can reach me at any time. Like I'm basically on call, but I have to set boundaries between this hour and this hour. You can't reach me. Like I'm offline. Um, and I think it's really important that when we hold space for another, we witness it. We don't look at it like it needs to be fixed, even though that kind of sounds like an oxymoron, like people come to me and they're quote unquote being fixed. What they're really doing is they're coming back to their own self. They're realigning and remembering. So that's nothing for me to do. I don't have to fix anything. So when you do that, it's a little bit easier to separate what you're doing with your energy and how you're engaging with them. So I hope that helps. Yeah, it's, it does help, but a lot of times it like, I think it takes practice to really like set mm-hmm. those boundaries because, um, like I do have, I do have weeks where I'm very good with that. And then on mm-hmm. some weeks, you know, when you feel like you have to over deliver, mm-hmm. then it's like, okay, you know, and you're like constantly on the go and it's, it's, it's very hard mm-hmm. because what you said, like you take on their energy and it's almost impossible to not do that. Otherwise you're not able to help them. Yeah. But at the same time, what you said with like limiting the amount of people that you help is so mm-hmm. powerful. And this is also what I started doing. I was like, okay, I cannot do that. Yeah. Like in the beginning, I'd also have like, I don't know, eight, co- eight coaching calls, one-on-one after another in one day. At the end of the day, you couldn't talk to me. I was just, no. I was dead. <laughs> I was like, And then we also have to wonder like, why are we doing that? What part of ourselves do we feel like we have to do this for? right? Like I had to do so much deconditioning work around what it meant to be an entrepreneur. I love my life. I don't care if people judge me because I wake up at a certain time and I'm not in the 5am club. I don't care (laughs) if you think it's weird that I work at 8pm. Like, you know, some of my, you know, my biggest group healings I do, they're called the upgrades. I do them at midnight because that's when I feel the most in tune and the world is quiet. So I can actually tap in and, and, and feel connected to everyone. Some people think that's weird. You know what? I am living authentically to me. And I think people have to remember that whatever work you're doing, make sure that it's in a lifestyle that you want, because if it's not, you're never going to show up as you. You're always going to be struggling. You're always going to be over delivering. You're always going to be, you know, making excuses for the way that you want your life to be because of fear or, um, you know, imposter syndrome or whatever it is so as long as you know that you're providing in a way that feels authentic to you that feels like your limit um honor that that's really important that was such a good reminder (laughs) thank you jenna i needed to hear that because for the past like couple of months all i was doing is following what i think is the right way And I kind Mm -hmm. of ignored what my body was constantly telling me, like, slow down. It's fine if you don't work, like, you know, 12 hours a day. Don't do that. So I was always wondering, like, why is this girl messaging? Because you're, like, in L.A. And I was like, why is this girl messaging me? It's early morning for me. It's, like, super late for her. (laughs) I was always wondering. And, you know, and and I feel like for me, I've always, like love to do what people don't do in the normal thing so like i love that like i could just chill i can go get a massage at 2 p.m on a wednesday because i just i just fucking feel like it why not and then i'll work at 9 p.m like what's the big deal you know and i i enjoy that if you told me i had to sit down and start working at like 8 a.m and finish at 4 i'd be like that does not feel good to me that's not when i'm in alignment i enjoy the way that I created my life and the structure. So I'm going to follow it because I make so much more money. I have so much more fulfillment now that I've just adjusted my schedule to what feels good to me rather than what everyone else is doing. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that's that happens a lot, of course, when you like see other people, you compare yourself, you see them doing this, so you think you have to do the same thing, and then you're like mm -hmm. in a coaching program and they tell you it should be that way, which is you know, bullish, but yeah, we you know that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I do what I mean. So uh, yeah. I appreciate your reminder. I think that's so important, especially like if you, you created this life for yourself, why do you still put like chains on the way you should be living your life? So Definitely agree. <laughs> but awesome. I want to talk about, because of course, you know, it's called the Seeking Veganism podcast. You know, I'm vegan. Um, and the amazing thing is that Jenna is also vegan, which I really love. And that's also kind of how we connect it, right? You're like, hey, I saw you're vegan. You know, let's let's talk. Uh, so yeah, I wanted to ask you, you know, how did that happen? Why did you become vegan? When was that? And yeah, mm -hmm. tell us about your, your vegan story, yeah. please. So my veganism story happened as a spiritual awakening. And what I mean by that is I went to this shaman boot camp um, with a really good uh, mentor and now friend, um, Shaman Durek. And I opened up all these different energies in my body and I was completely activated. And I was giving these incredible intuitive readings that like things were coming out of my mouth and I didn't know how they were coming out. And when that happened, like I could feel um, these old like programs leaving my mind. I know this sounds a little bit like out there, but I could see like these things kind of removing from my psyche and just kind of clicking more um, into alignment of what felt good to me. So what happened was when I got home from that, I was drinking milk. I had a cup of tea and I was putting milk in it. And I literally took a sip of the tea and I like just like threw it up. And I could hear all of um, like the emotional cries of like the, the animal and this poor little like cow was like screaming in my ear. And I was like, what is going on? Like, this is weird. I was eating like lamb chops, fish. Like I was such a good cook when it came to meat. Mm -hmm. Okay. Obviously that is you know, debatable. Can you be a good cook for me? But you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so essentially like that happened. And then I would start when I was going to the supermarket, I would go through like the vegan, I'm sorry, the meat and dairy aisle. And I would just hear these wails, like these crying, like, you know, like in a slaughterhouse, like that loud. And I was like, okay, something's happening here. Like, I don't know what's going on, but I just completely turned off of it and I never went back. And it was one of those things that like my sensitivity was so heightened and I could hear all of the, you know, the screams and the agony and the torture. And I was just like, I can't, if this is what's going to happen to my body, um, I can't do this. And I recognize that, you know, I'm on a certain path in life and I am not going to be able to sustain a lot of the dense things that people do on this earth, like drinking alcohol, like frequently eating meat, you know, engaging in toxic behaviors. Like these are things that I don't, that I can't do. My body can't like engage with it. So for me, veganism happened because of this awakening and it was getting me to recognize that I could not sustain that density, um, in my body and my shaman also told us that you know before animals are killed they let out like extreme stress hormones and that actually gets absorbed energetically in the body that's why you see like you know really macho men and they're like oh and they're like super angry and they eat all this meat um and it's because it sits like in your body and energetically you're eating the frequency of death of fear of torture And so what, what happens, you are what you eat, you become that. So beyond the physical repercussions of eating meat, there are energetic repercussions and, you know, on earth, right. As humans, we look outside and we're like, oh my God, there's all this suffering going on. People are killing other people. People are doing this and they don't realize that they're participating in the cycle of suffering, right? Mm -hmm. Like a huge part of veganism is compassion. Right. So how can we be compassionate towards people, towards animals? It's not just about animals. It's about towards all things, you know, even towards meat eaters. You know, no one likes an angry vegan. I don't I would never have gone vegan if someone was like, be vegan, you know, and through my representation and the, you know, the energy that I was setting from being in my house, my whole family was vegan that Christmas, um, that Thanksgiving. Sorry, we had a vegan Thanksgiving. Would I have thought that a year ago? 
No, but you don't do it through yelling at people because it's not going to go through to them. And who wants to do something that they're told to do? No one. That's not freedom. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's super deep. Wow. I, this is the first story like this that I've heard. You probably like mm -hmm. don't know anyone that had something similar like you did. I just firstly yeah. want to touch on what you said with like the angry vegans, which makes me so upset because unfortunately there still are so many angry vegans, which mm -hmm. I just really hate because it puts such yeah. a bad light on us and it puts like mm -hmm. this light that we are judgmental and um, you don't want to belong to a group of people that are like this, right? And it just really makes me upset. I can see that even on Instagram. Like sometimes I get mm -hmm. those kind of comments as well because I mean, I'm a vegan health coach. Yes, I help other vegans, you know, feel healthy with their diet but that doesn't mean that i only do that for the health like and this yeah. is what a lot of the times people think i only do that for you know money and stuff like this which makes me yeah. just so yeah. upset because i've been vegan for longer than the business that i'm doing and i'm just like yeah. why you know so yeah mm -hmm. ah, i i could yeah. rant about and it I forever think, yeah and that anger you know that people have towards other vegans like Anytime anyone is angry or projecting, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them. And they're just using, they're hiding behind veganism. Some people hide behind, you know, politics. Some mm. people hide behind, you know, in their relationships. It's, it's really a reflection of them. And, you know, anytime I see people who are like angry vegans, you know, something's going on or they're just being, they're, there's, they're feeling so much shame for not going vegan sooner. Mm. Like why yeah. else would you be yelling at people to go vegan? You know, yeah. think about it. And, you know, all you can do is like have compassion for them because essentially everyone is playing the part that they need in order to evolve. Mm -hmm. Right. So I don't know why they're angry. They need to be angry. Okay, be angry. You know, like yeah. there's nothing to do with me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be a peaceful vegan and yeah. the people who need to see the peaceful vegan will see the peaceful vegan and, yeah. you know, make their own decisions. But I really think it's a, it's a, it's an energetic thing and it's a vibrational thing to be able to only sustain, um, plant foods, mm. um, in the body. And it's, it's a certain type of consciousness that it takes because it takes you out of like the 3d grid, the very dense world. Because everyone that goes vegan essentially has said, I feel lighter, right? Obviously there are people that actually can't because they, their body can't sustain it. So they need animal products. That's not bad. Right. But the people that can, the more that people can do that, the better. But until it gets to that point, there's no point in like, you know, yelling at people and getting them to do it because they'll come to it themselves. If someone told me that literally I would be vegan. If someone told me that five years ago, I'd be like, huh. you know, I had the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's, yeah. it's an interesting journey, but it's definitely one that is an awakening within yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to recognize it and you have to want to do it because it is a commitment. Is, yeah. you know it's you know you have to make a lot of adjustments in your life and it's just are you willing to be committed to that mm. to me i wanted to be committed to that so it felt like or it sounded like you had no choice yeah <laughs> it's like well, the universe wanted you to be um yeah. did mm -hmm. you like before you had this crazy experience did you like consider it before did you think about it or was it like from one day to the other it was literally night and day It just like wow. happened overnight and I never went back. Yeah. It, it's like, I go through these very intense, like, um, upgrades or awakenings where things hit me really hard and then that's it. Like then I'm on this path and it's very hard for me to kind of sway because I've always had things happen in my life where it's just like a rude awakening and then you, that's it. So, you know, sometimes people say that when they do like plant medicine or ayahuasca and things like that, they're like, Oh, I'm not going to smoke anymore or I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm getting out of that relationship. Like I operate the same way, but just like it happens just naturally in my life. Mm -hmm. So I just listen to it and, you know, it, eating something or like hearing things dying while I'm eating them. Mm, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like, I yeah. probably don't want to do that. Yeah. So, and then I just kind of, you know, it just didn't feel natural. It didn't feel good to my body. So I stopped. And that was it. And you just always have to listen to your body. What does it want? Don't ever try to force your body into doing something because it, it's not going to work, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, intention is everything. Yeah. I do talk a lot about, you know, um, health-wise, the shift that you experience yeah. in your body. But I'd like to ask you 
energy-wise, what happened to you once you stopped eating animal products? Yeah, for me, energy-wise, like, I definitely had a lot more energy. Um, while I was, like, kind of on this purge, right, the first few months, I was very tired, and I was just, like, detoxing, like, a lot. Um, and because I'm so sensitive, and, like, I use that sensitivity as my work now, you know, I didn't realize how much density I had in my body, how much fear I had in my body. So, Really, I'm so conscious now of everything I put into my body from the products that I use on my face to the makeup, like shampoo, everything, because everything has to be okay to be ingested in my body because everything can change, you know, my energetic field. So, you know, after being vegan for a while, I definitely had a lot more energy, but then I also had to be aware of, you know, that I was increasing the sensitivity in my body because I didn't have this density dragging me down. So um, it definitely made me more conscious and aware of what was altering my energy and what I needed to do to make sure that I was sustaining it. A lot of times um, you can see people like depressed and anxious when they're, you know, eating meat and all of a sudden when they When they start eating, you know, vegan, um, they don't, they're not depressed anymore. They're not anxious anymore. Have you heard about it or? Yeah, definitely. And that goes back to the energetic thing that I was talking about where the stress hormone is, you know, excreted when the animal dies. What do you think? Like when you break it down, when you break down this piece of meat to a very atomic energetic level, it's, it, it has a very low vibration. You know, the wave is moving very, very slowly. So what do you think when you ingest that, what's going to happen, right? Like you look at vegetables and you look at, you know, uh, fruit and, you know, cur I think it's Curlian photography. Have you heard mm -hmm. of that? Where they take the picture and then they show the vibration of, you know, the aura of whatever it is. You know, you do that with meat, it's dead. You know, you do this with, you know, fresh produce, it's vibrant so what are you putting in your body when you look at it like that it's like you know you're able to see past the fact that you've been conditioned to eat meat to stay in this lower vibrational state with density and when you switch over to that of course you're going to feel better because you're not putting that shit in your body anymore you know or at least to the same degree that you were um initially so definitely it's it's an energetic thing for sure for sure so what is your opinion then about you know people saying oh no but that animal was happy it didn't even know it was going to be killed mm -hmm. that you know you get that argument a lot as well yeah well i think that's for people who really don't want to justify the truth of what it is and it's not like i'm trying to you know make people become vegan like i don't do that but There are facts. There have been studies done on the intelligence of animals. Like a pig has the intelligence of a five-year-old. Would you go and kill a five-year-old? You know. Also, look at the double standard. We house cats and dogs, but then we get angry at China when they eat cats and dogs. It's like, come on, guys. Like, you know, you can't have it both ways, right? So you have to realize that when there is something that's such a, like, drastic parallel, right? Where it's just like we do one thing, but we don't do another. You know, you have to see where's the programming there. What have I been led to believe? Like, why do I only think one life is more important than another, right? So for me, I think that, to be honest, I don't even know where, what question you asked, but I was just going off of that. I just like completely played. <laughs> no, it's, it's great. I just ask about, you know, when people argue that <clears throat> that animal was happy and it didn't know it was Oh, the animal was happy. Yeah, no. So what I'm saying, yeah, is that like there is, you know, evidence, right, that animals do feel pain. You watch any video of an animal about to be killed. Are they like complacent and smiling? <laughs> no. No, they're not. They're crying. They're yeah. screaming. They're running away. You know, so think about it. Why would an intelligent, a non-intelligent being want to run away? Why would it know it was in danger? Because they're energy beings. They can feel, they can experience, right? And it's not for us to have this hierarchy over them just because we don't speak their language. You know, that's just, it, that's wrong. Like morally, that is wrong. You know, if you want to end suffering on this planet, you want people to be nicer to one another, don't participate in the mass suffering of another species, 
right? So we just have to do a little bit of rethinking of what we've been led to believe, you know, and why we think, you know, that is okay to do, you know? So that's what I have to say to that question. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I love that. So what do you say when people come with, but plants have feelings too? Yeah, they do, but they, the, the energetic exchange of that is much less and much more compassionate than killing something that has a beating heart, just like you. So we really have to look at, you know, we are making a progression. If you want to talk about spirituality in terms of people are eating less meat, people who I never thought would stop eating meat or have been stopping. So we have to understand that the more we raise our consciousness on the planet through being more compassionate, through having more love and understanding and unity, right? Those lower consciousness things such as eating meat and feeling heavy and feeling dense go away and people are waking up and moving into this space, right? And so that ultimately will allow people to hold more light and then eventually just become breatharian if we're really talking you know about it because think about it it's just the more light your body can hold the less food you actually need recently i've been eating very little i'm an intuitive eater and i'm not like purposely not eating i just have not been hungry because i've been doing a lot of meditation and you know yoga and sitting in the sun and getting my nutrients that way and so you know It is what it is. We are on this planet. We do need to sustain ourselves. But what is the most compassionate way we can do that right now? That's all we have to ask ourselves. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah. Yeah. You know, and like being an entrepreneur and being connected to a lot of people that kind of do a very similar thing to what we do, um, you know, and we connect mm-hmm. on different levels with them. And you have a lot of like entrepreneurs that are also spiritual beings and Uh, you know, talk about all of, you know, that kind of stuff, energies and, and com- mm-hmm. like compassion and, you know, um, just being a good leader and being great to everyone. But I do still see a lot of these people consuming meat on a very le- regular basis. And it just, it, ma- it makes me a little sad because on the one hand, they're so connected to like, you know, they're, they're spiritual beings and to, to everything else that they really like, they have their practices, they do it all and they preach it so much. But on the other hand, like when it comes to being conscious about what they have on their plate and what they consume and what they put into their bodies, they're not. And then sometimes, you know, I still keep seeing arguments for meat that we need meat because there are certain vitamins and minerals that we cannot get from other, you know, that's Not true, but you still see that a lot. It makes me really sad because those people have huge followings um, and people look up to them. And so they think, you know, whatever they're doing is correct. It's the right way. What do you think about that? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, what I just heard right now is that something's happening externally and I'm getting triggered by it, right? So anytime that happens, I'm really, I've gotten, and this is where the ego just has to step aside. Why does it bother me so much, right? Why does it bother me that they have a huge following and they're doing this? Am I mad that I don't have a huge following and I'm not doing it? There are so many things that we look out externally. By the way, I'm not saying that to you, but there's just so many things externally, right? That we look and we say, that's wrong, that's not right. But for every finger we point, there are four pointing back at us. So why are we so triggered by what they're doing? Do we have an expectation that we think they should exist in a certain way? And when they fall out of those bounds, we get angry, you know, are we allowing them to excuse our own shadows and not really looking at what's bothering me? You know, it's, it's takes a lot of work and I still get triggered all the time, you know, but I love it. I welcome it. I say, why is this happening? Because essentially what I'm saying is I'm triggered because this person showed up the way that they knew how to show up. Like when you listen to it like that, it's like, wow, would I, why do I feel triggered? Why am I judging someone? I would never want anyone to judge me. So why am I still doing that? And I get caught up in it all the time. You know, I'm like, why am I doing this? Stop, you know, recognize what it's showing you and then reflect on why it's bothering you so much. Because ultimately everyone, like I said, is playing the role that they need 
right? Mm -hmm. Everyone. And everything that we see matches is a reflection of our belief systems, right? So if we think that eating meat is good, then eating meat is good. If we think eating meat is bad, eating meat will be bad. You know, in Ayurveda, you know, one of the most ancient, um, you know, spiritual, I would say, practices from India, you know, say that the number one thing about eating food is how you energetically receive it into the body. If you are eating food in an angry manner, or in a judgmental manner, that food will not hold the same vibration as if you eat it with peace and with joy and with love. So if they think in their consciousness that that is right for them and they're happy and they're joyful, that's where they're at. But better that than holding more of a dense vibration. And then the more that they, you know, go through their journey, I know that everyone goes through their journey because they need it and better they're being authentic to what they know is true. You know, I had a conversation with, you know, one of my mentors and about eating meat and, and he was saying like, you know, I have to be plant-based I'm you know, spiritual and I'm this. And I'm like, dude, the, the most non-spiritual thing you could do is to be inauthentic to who you are. Own it. <laughs> yes. You eat meat, own it, but recognize that we're all a work in progress. No one, no one has it a hundred percent together. You know, I might help people, but I also have problems. You know, we need to stop putting people on these pedestals mm-hmm. and thinking that they're better and greater and they should be doing something other than who they're showing up as, you know, it's only our own expectations that are failing when they show up differently. And that's what causes pain. And that's what causes suffering. Cause we're like, damn, you let me down. You weren't supposed to act like that. I can't believe that, but who's causing the suffering. It's you. So all we can do is to have compassion for these people to recognize they're doing what they can do. And at least they're owning what they do. Right. And if just because we don't agree with it doesn't mean it's wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't know where they're at. I don't know what they've experienced in their life. I haven't been with them every step of their journey. I don't know why they're doing that, but it is what it is, you know? And I would hope that when people look at me and see me, they hold the same compassion that I would see for them. So that's why it is always my main thing, you know, to hold compassion for everyone I see on their journey, really at the, at the end of the day, I might have a little bit of an, an annoyance of, Oh, they, they do this, they do that. But at the core of it, can I, can I be compassionate towards them? Right. So that's, you know, I think such a core aspect of veganism is compassion, but compassion for all, right. Not just the animals, even the people that do still eat the animals. So, yeah. Yeah. That was a good reminder, I think, for everyone that is like listening right now, because of course, like, this is the one thing that we forget that a lot of the the thoughts that we have, the actions that we take, you know, when we're disappointed, all of those kind of things, it's just ourselves that we actually like, it's, I wouldn't mm-hmm. say our fault, because it sounds negative, but it's like what we are projecting, right at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's taking ownership. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, it's all you. It's all yeah. you. And sometimes it's hard because, yeah. you know, there's some really like messed up things going on in the world. And it's really hard to not have a reaction to things. Right. Especially when we're passionate about them and we're like on a mission. Mm. But we also have to remember and ground ourselves that don't let the ego run away and, and get distracted and get angry and get frustrated and get triggered. Why come back to what you're doing and why you're doing it and just spread your message and the right people will find it. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is where like a lot of people get, we already had this get lost in like the veganism and, and the movement. And it's like they want everyone to be vegan and they want to spread the message, but they're doing it a lot of times in the wrong way and like even attack vegans like, you know, me, for example, where I'm like, dude, I'm on your side. (laughs) You know, it's fine. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not hurting anyone. So Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the times I do see that vegans, what you said as well, like, I know that if I, um, a couple of years ago, if someone would have showed me, you know, when you have those, what are they called? When they are standing outside with like those masks and they're showing like... Oh, the anonymous. Yeah, exactly. So I know that if five years ago, someone would have come to me and would have told me, watch this, I would have run away. I was like, this doesn't work on me. You're crazy. Don't show me this shit. That That's how I would react. I was like, I don't want to see too. that. 
And so on some people it works, but I always feel like it's a very small percentage. And I read like what you said as well, be a good example. And then yeah. people will follow and eventually like see, okay, what is, what is she doing? I, I want to feel like that. I want to be like yes. this, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is the type of activism that in my eyes is the most successful from what I've seen as well, right? Again, for some people it might work. Mm -hmm. I know for me, what it wouldn't work for you as well, right? It just came mm -hmm. to you in a different way. But I know like yeah. what you said as well, five years ago, if someone would have told me I'm vegan today, I would have been like, <laughs> yeah. are you sure? Yeah, <laughs> you got the right jets. I don't yes. think so. <laughs> yeah, because I used to also, I used to love everything meat, right? Mm -hmm. Everything. And here we are. You know, yeah, here so, we are. so if you know that it can happen for someone as stubborn as you or someone <laughs> as stubborn as me, yeah. you know, we have to know that there's so much potential for this. Right. And the world isn't ready to be 100% vegan. It's not like from a spiritual standpoint, it's not mm. people have to become more compassionate to mm. themselves. And it starts with what thoughts am I thinking? What food am I eating? What people am I surrounding myself by? right that's where the compassion starts and then that creates the ripple effect outwards to be like "Ooh, i like you know their vibe how are they doing that or you know i you know I, i'm inspired by them that creates it's the you know be the change you wish to see right it starts exactly. with you exactly so um so yeah it's really it's an interesting journey and it definitely requires a lot of open heart space mm. um Because, you know, as open as you are to other people, even just saying right now, it was an interesting thing. I just do this subconsciously, but you were like, vegans attack me, right? But in some way, are you still kind of subconsciously attacking other people for not being vegan, mm -hmm. right? So we see how it's a reflection of everything we send out, everything, mm -hmm. right? That's why I, I try to be as compassionate and understand everyone's perspective because I don't, I, I couldn't possibly understand let's say a meat eater's perspective and why they need to do that, mm. even though they have all the other qualities of being quote unquote spiritual. Right. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, it's like we fun. put, we put people in boxes and we think they should be that way. And this is like where I was coming from, like the spiritual thing. I believe yeah. that they should be doing this, but what you right. said is not the case, right? You have, everyone is individual. Everyone has their own journey. Everyone has their own time. And eventually maybe they will even do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I love that. And again, thank you for the reminder, because what you're saying is a lot of the times that they reflect back on me in some kind of way. And I always come back. It's karma, right? They always kind of come back to you. <laughs> and if you're willing to literally put your ego aside and let it just see it for what it is like wow someone is attacking me where in my life have i been attacking other people or where have i been less compassionate right and really reflect that because it's an energetic game what you give off will come back right mm -hmm. so just making sure that you're living from a place where you want to be treated um, yeah. from that place as well yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's uh that's amazing uh thank you jenna for that Thank you. One of the things that um, I was amazed by, I think the most when we first connected was mm -hmm. when you told me that you healed yourself from PCOS and endometriosis. Now, um, of course, as I already told you, I have, you know, my my coaching program where I try to help women to really like understand their bodies fully, of course, through a vegan mm -hmm. diet, but also really sing with their cycle, understand the menstrual cycle, understand, you know, what their hormones are doing in their bodies. Um, and a lot of the times, of course, like women are not familiar with like even the fact that you have four phases in your cycle and they all affect yeah. you and all of that kind of stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so, of course, a lot of times when you go to the doctor, the, the gynecologist, they will tell you like, okay, you suffer from PCOS. This is something that unfortunately for your whole life you're going to suffer from and it's impossible to like, you know, cure it. And all you have to do is, you know, take birth control and eat healthy. And this is basically what they tell and lose weight. That's what, what they tell you as well. Right. But now yeah. you were able to heal yourself from it, which I think mm -hmm. is absolutely amazing. So I really want to know everything that you've done. <laughs> tell us yeah. all of the secrets, please. <laughs> yes, for sure. So I'm going to like preface this by saying, you know, everyone's journey is different and I don't have a step-by-step -step guide of what I did because I was in such a 
a foggy state while this was all happening. Like I almost had, I, I like blacked out a lot of like my healing because emotionally, energetically, there was so much purging going on that I just felt like I was like shedding so much. And what really came down to the crux of my healing was the fact that I was able to transform all of these triggers in my subconscious. Now, Dr. Bruce Lipton is a biologist and he basically figured out that our genes, right? Our genetic disposition is not something that we necessarily inherit. You know, this idea that, oh, you know, your dad has heart disease, you'll have heart disease. Your mom has diabetes, you'll have diabetes. And he did this experiment where he took this cell, this cell and he put it in three different dishes. And what he found is that the cell became merged into the environment. It became a product of the environment. So this stomach cell became like a liver cell when it was put in the liver environment. So what did this say? This says that we have control over our, our epigenetic expression, meaning we can change the expression of our genetic makeup, right? Our epigenetic makeup when we change the environment. And so what is the environment, right? The environment is not, I'm in a house. The environment is I'm perceiving reality. Okay, so if we're perceiving a certain environment, let's say um, you had someone break into your house, you think your house is unsafe, right? You're perceiving now the environment to be unsafe. But if you go and program it to transform that stress, are you still perceiving the environment to be unsafe? No, it's the environment hasn't changed, you've changed. So what I found is that through the subconscious, that is the gateway to unlocking that new perception to create a new environment. And when you access it in such a way, you can actually change the epigenetic makeup of the body. You can heal the body through the mind, essentially is what I'm saying. And so with a lot of practice and a lot of work, I was able to basically use my mind in combination with veganism to transform my epigenetic expression. They say after going vegan, 500 different gen genetic expressions change in the body right? You turn off, you know, heart disease, you turn off all these cancer genes, you turn off all these things, right? By the way, there's no such thing as a cancer gene. There are 12 different genes that need to be turned on um, to, to create cancer, just by the way. But anyways, when I did that, essentially, my body was able to click back into place in such a way that I was able to transcend the limitations of my body. And why? Because I was, I, transcended the programming that said I was going to be sick forever or I would have to be on medication forever. And I was able to pinpoint what triggers and traumas created this stress response that turned on this autoimmune of endometriosis and PCOS and doing these things that were taking my body out of sync. So essentially it was like a huge wake up call to be like, hello, you're, you're not in alignment here. Something's very wrong. And, you know, we're conditioned to say, oh, something's wrong. Let's just go to the doctor and figure it out and like, let them put you on medication. But I had gotten to such a point where I was like suicidal and I was like, this medication is making me crazy and no one's believing me. No one's believing me that this IUD is driving me insane. And so I had to then take take it into my own hands and be like, okay, well, I'm tired of going to the hospital basically every month because I'm bleeding like a mad woman and I'm tired of feeling crazy. I'm tired of literally having cramps and nausea every day. And when I first got on birth control, they didn't tell me that when you're on birth control, it tricks your body into being pregnant. I had no fucking clue. And when I learned that, I was like, I'm a crazy pregnant lady. And I literally am a crazy pregnant lady. Like that's what's happening. Yeah. You shouldn't be pregnant or your body shouldn't be tricked into being pregnant for eight years. That's not okay. Biologically speaking, that is not okay, you know? And so for me, it was just like, I just, I jumped off a cliff and I was hoping that I would land somewhere nice. Like I didn't know where I was falling when I got off all my medication. And I just like, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do this. I need to just figure it out. And I did, and I'm so blessed to have figured it out because I've seen amazing things happen with people that I've worked with, chronic migraines, gone infertility with IVF gone able to get pregnant on their own you know it's really amazing what we can do when we allow ourselves to transcend what we think we can do because that's all it is if I told you Jess someone's going to give you five million dollars tomorrow you wouldn't believe it but if you really believed it it probably could happen 
I know that's really out there, but it's like, how far are we willing to go with what we think can happen for ourselves in our mind, right? And also in our body. And so for me, it was, you know, I did this very intuitively. It was a very intuitive process. It was like, you know, look at the subconscious, go down this path, become vegan, honor that, and just watch what's going to happen. And I just trusted the process. And so I don't have like a potion or a recipe of like, you know, I took these supplements and I ate tofu in the morning and beans in the (laughs) evening, but it really was an intuitive process. And, you know, one of the things I help people with is guide them back to connecting to that intuition so that they can intuitively know for themselves, okay, I need to eat this, or this supplement feels good to me. Or, you know, I feel like working with this holistic doctor to get a little bit more help. And it's not to say that I didn't, you know, get any help. I had you know, a a lot of wonderful people around me, but ultimately it was really, um, an experience of trust. How much do I trust myself to know what I need? Because I had trusted everyone around me my whole life. I had never given myself a chance to say, let me see if I can figure this out. Mm -hmm. So that empowerment really shifted a lot within me and completely realigned my, my circuits and systems. And I know that I always knew when I was sick and I was like, you know what, I'm done. I want to die. I I can't, I would always hear this voice and it said, your mess is going to be your message. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And here I am today. And it's just like a complete like 180 from my entire experience that I had before, but I always knew deep down. So if you know deep down as well, and you have an issue or you have a condition or anything that is like limiting you or constricting you, the fact that you know you want freedom from that is a sign that you're on that path to receive that because you wouldn't be able to get those things if you didn't have the thought or the inspiration to to do it or to have it. Um, so the mind is a really, really powerful thing and that's really what allowed me to you know master the subconscious and help people tap into their own their own alignment and transcend any limitations that they have um, because we're powerful. Wow. What are, what are some of the practices that you've done during that time? Yeah. So I learned a lot of different subconscious modalities. Um, and I did a lot of yoga and, um, I did a lot of, um, Sadhguru's meditations and his yoga programs that were really life changing because they opened up different energy centers in the body that really allowed my nervous system to heal um, in a way that was just me using my own breath and my own, you know, own tones and things like that to really calm the body down. Um, And then I also, you know, used a bunch of different herbal supplements and things like that to align my my physical body and my physical system and really just being committed to my, to my veganism and not understanding why I was hearing those noises, but understanding that it was a reason for my journey because it was time for me to really reset my cellular system. So you think that veganism can help in terms of like hormonal, you know, um, disbalances or any illnesses? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think that it is, very individual but there's been a lot of great research that suggests that you know veganism can turn on and off your epigenetic expression like within three months you can turn on um 500 different epigenetics expressions for you know boosting your immune system optimal health you know regulating hormonal cycles and things like that but it definitely um should be a guided thing um that's why there are people like you out there that are helping women, you know, reclaim their stability, which is amazing because there's so much power in what we feed ourselves and also not only physically, but mentally. And that's why I think the work that you're doing is amazing because it's bridging those two, you know, it's, it's reminding people that they can have complete ownership if they, if they want to get in control of their mental and physical health. Mm -hmm. So now I know we don't have a lot of time anymore, but one question that I'd still like to ask is now there's maybe, you know, a lady listening and it's like, okay, I do want to become like Jenna. I do want to heal myself from, you know, maybe they're experiencing like heavy PMS or any other syndromes like, you know, cramps. And I do suffer a lot from it, to be honest. I have 
crazy PMS. I'm like depressed. I could cry and laugh and cry and laugh and like within one hour, like 100 times. Um, mm -hmm. It's very bad. And so like, what would you suggest someone that is like trying to at least, you know, take the first step towards like healing yourself? What would you suggest? Yeah. Yeah, that's a beautiful question. Well, definitely just, you know, if we'll, we'll use your example here, how you say you have those really highs and lows of PMS and, you know, a large part of that is the energetic stress that you are having, right? Cramps represent in like spiritually is like you're holding on to life. Like you're really like you're cramped, like you're squeezing life. Like you're really, you're almost in like semi-survival mode and you're like, I need to hold on to this because I don't want to let go of control. So a lot of it is coming back into your feminine, right? And like giving yourself that time, making sure every day <clears throat> that you are balanced in your feminine and masculine like the same amount of time you give to your work and your job and doing all those masculine tasks you've given yourself the same amount of time in your feminine because this is the key in balancing the energies energetically so that you can be more in flow so when i started you know you know on my journey of getting off birth control and, and basically getting my periods back um i was able to align them with the full moon. Now I did that, I get my period on the full moon pretty much every time, maybe plus or minus a day, um, twice in the last two years. And the reason why I do this is because the full moon for me represents the healer, right? It's the guide. Whereas when you're getting your period around the new moon, you're creative, you're wanting to birth something um, into the world. So if you want to get in touch more energetically with one side of your creation, right? Make sure that you're doing things that allow that. So if you feel like you're more in that nurturing stage and doing that, make sure you're doing those things around the full moon. If you want to be more in creation mode and, and birthing new ideas and being super like, um, you know, like a free thinker, make sure you're doing things around that because this will ultimately energetically start aligning you with the energies of the moon. You know, our room is like, connected to the to the moon so much and so it's really about balancing those masculine and feminine energies and understanding and listening to yourself like the reason why pms is so intense for women is because they don't they try to do 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 all the time they only they do not allow themselves to be yeah you know and so imagine if you spent every day with that same compassion and relaxation you give yourself when you're on your period, I'm telling you, you won't have heavy periods to that intensity because you're not just waiting for this huge, you know, surge of blood to be like, okay, I'm going to relax now. I can't move, you know, yeah. and giving yourself that time to balance those energies every day because we are very like, sentient beings as women you know we we basically bring non-physical into physical right and this period is a reminder of that of our power and so how are we giving ourselves the space you know how are we showing ourselves compassion every day what are we not giving ourselves to really feel the best we can be do we feel like we have to work ourselves to the ground do we feel like we have to do everything for everyone do we feel like we have to people please These are all things that will come rushing out emotionally and physically through the blood that you shed when you're on your period, you know? So that would be my, my suggestion is definitely balancing the masculine and feminine and being more compassionate every single day and making sure you're aligned in those two energies every day. Oh, that was amazing, Jenna. With the, with the moon cycle, something that I also just recently like really looked into because I knew like yes. the faces, like the biological stuff, but I yes. never connected with the energies. And I, when I read about it, I was like, this makes so much sense. Like, why did I not know about this before? And so yes. it's good that you also like reminded us of it again, because I feel like like back then women used to like always have it around their moon cycles right the periods always were aligned with it and now today of course with with us being exposed to light and like a lot of stress we are so disconnected so yeah. disconnected from yeah. basically the earth right and yeah, so exactly. i love that you that you reminded um us of that again mm -hmm. i could uh, yeah, also, <laughs> sorry by the way moon water moon water is when you place 
like water in a jar and you put it under the moonlight under the full moon and you drink it the next day Ooh. and it basically infuses all of the energies and the codes from the moon and it can also help with recycle like wow. recycling your period correctly mm -hmm. wow never yeah. heard about that before things <laughs> i love that i have to try that it's yeah, yeah just so much that is actually very simple you know but it's just about like allowing ourselves to be more compassionate with ourselves because what you said in this kind of world that we live it's always about go 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 um and we don't allow ourselves enough time to really just be like okay it's okay if we don't work for a couple of hours and really you know meditate yeah. and take care of ourselves it's so hard for so many of us but jenna i could ask i could you know have this interview forever because <laughs> you're just like so you know you're like you have so much knowledge and so much like value to to give um i could i, I can't thank you enough you know so <laughs> this is definitely the the first one we're gonna have you know maybe we, we should do like a serious with jenna or something i don't know yeah, i'm down i'm down <laughs> i'd love that water questions <laughs> <Q> <laughs> yes i love it so much thank you so so much for being uh, on my podcast i'm sure that everyone is going to love this episode because it's just like so much value that you've given us uh for the listeners you have to check out jenna i'm going to link her profile uh in the info box so definitely go check her out your Instagram is underscore Jenna, right? Jenna and uh, Jen yeah. All right. Yeah. Perfect. So definitely check her out as well if you want to work with her. I I don't know if you still have spaces available. I only I read you have like two for this year still. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So two. Yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see <how> <laughs> so definitely reach out to her. She's absolutely amazing. I cannot wait to come visit you in London once you're there. I know. <laughs> I know. I told you I didn't promise too much. Uh, I love how we covered so many different topics and I hope that you have also enjoyed it as much as I did. Thank you so much for listening and until next time.